When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, week 12 in the books. Thanksgiving's in the books. How are you? Did you have a good holiday? I did. How was yours? You traveled a little bit, right? Went home? Yeah, we traveled a little bit. Went to Atlanta. Uh, Went and saw, made sure Charlie could see the grandparents, uh, you know, eat some turkey, do that whole thing. And then, yeah, went to the uh, Georgia Tech game Saturday night. That was a fun one to be at. So yeah, it was a good trip. It's good to be back. Uh, it's kind of the reason, you know, for a, a bit of a delayed recap here, but hopefully everyone's here still sticking with us. There was a lot to talk about here. It was a, a fun weekend of football. I thought. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, some really entertaining games had black Friday action with Notre Dame, North Carolina, which was a pretty solid showing by the Irish, which we'll talk about here in a few minutes. But yeah, I mean, I thought overall up and down the board, it was, a very exciting weekend of football saw Trevor Lawrence come back, which was good because we hadn't seen him in over a month because of cancellations to games and him having COVID and then having to get over that. And it was good to see him back out there healthy and playing well. So yep. good weekend. Yeah, for sure. We had six games on the schedule. We only ended up getting five Mike. And so as you mentioned, you know, Notre Dame, North Carolina was kind of the headliner of the weekend for the ACC. But before we do that, we should probably talk about the reason that we got down to, to five, we found out Saturday morning, again, as about the time college game day is starting, maybe a little bit before, that the Virginia at Florida State game was postponed. Um, that's now the second weekend in a row that Florida State has had a game postponed just a few hours before it was due to start, um, which I'm starting to see a pattern, Mike. I don't know about you, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm starting to think the problem might not have necessarily been as much with Clemson or as much with Virginia, and it might be on the Tallahassee end of things. Yeah, and I mean, uh, Bronco Mendenhall came out in his press conference this week kind of following that whole debacle on Saturday and the whole traveling thing and mentioned that, you know, they still hadn't heard from Florida State regarding their tests when UVA boarded the plane to go to Tallahassee. They still weren't sure whether or not they'd play the football game. The fact that it took that long to figure out whether Florida State was going to be healthy enough to play, that's where the problem lies in and of itself. And I get that it's a weird year. It's, you know, been affected by COVID and 2020 is hard and all that stuff. But this is the second consecutive week that Florida State has had an opponent fly down to Tallahassee only to have the game canceled the day of. Mm -hmm. It's really irritating a lot of athletic departments. And I would say, oh, yeah, it's 2020 and this kind of stuff happens. I, I, all that to say that it's not happening at every other school where you wake up the day of the game. You're like, you know what? I don't think we're going to suit up in a few hours or I don't think we're going to suit up this evening. Yeah. After the opposing team has paid thousands and thousands of dollars to get their team and equipment, by the way, because that stuff gets truck Joey that gets on an equipment truck and gets driven to the destination. Even Um, from Charlottesville, Virginia to Tallahassee. That's right. A long way to drive and you have all that equipment that you know has to get from point a to point b and it's a long trip from uva to florida state like you mentioned and we're in a pandemic and athletic departments are just trying to squeak by and now florida state for the second consecutive week is forcing an opponent to cancel after having them already travel to tallahassee to play it's not a good look for florida state joey Mm -hmm. i don't know all the particulars i don't want to comment on the specifics of it because i just don't know all I will say is the optics of it are not good. I, I had two kind of thoughts that came out of this, Mike. The, the first one was, I actually, I, I will tell you that I learned something about myself Saturday morning. And it's not every day that a, you know, somebody, an old man like myself, I, I'm going on almost 30 years old. It's not every day that I can say that I learned something about myself. But I learned something about myself Saturday morning when I woke up and I saw this news. And I realized for the first time in my life 
how badly I need to see Bronco Mendenhall cutting a WWE-style promo on somebody just like Dabo has been doing for the last week against Florida State. I need that from Bronco Mendenhall, and we almost got it, Mike. Damn it all, we almost got it. Not quite, though. <laughs> Turns out he is almost as good at that as Dabo is, and I think football coaches have a way to express their anger when they get pissed off about certain situations that arise, Joey. Well, and on that note, that's the other thing that the other the other thought that I had here was the thing that Bronco Mendenhall mentioned was basically he was blaming the ACC's protocols, not necessarily the Seminoles, which, truth be told, I think is kind of you know what Dabo might have been trying to say for most of the past week it's just that Bronco did it in a much more well-spoken manner like he did a much more mature job of making that point of you know it's it's not that Clemson and Florida State and UVA all decided that we're going to test our players and then travel and then get the results the ACC kind of said that you know we're going to do that around lunchtime on Friday we all agree that everybody travels Friday afternoons to get to these games on Saturday you're not going to get the results until you already get there. And so like, you know, Clemson had mentioned the number of something like $300,000 they spent traveling. That's a pretty penny, you know? And so, yeah, to be, to be set up that way and set up for that situation, you know, it's, it's unfortunate and we, we can say what we will about Florida state, but at the same time, I mean, it's, it just happens that they were the home team two weeks in a row and it just, right. you know, the, the other teams kind of get to foot that bill. So it's, it's unfortunate and it's frustrating and it's definitely a, 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 a just an, another aspect of a weird 2020 season. Um, it seems like it is an, an aspect of something that the, the conference probably could have done a little differently or, you know, certainly if, if they had to do it again would change. But, um, you know, definitely a, a frustrating situation and it, it sucked to wake up to that Saturday morning, you know, to hear that another game was being canceled just with hours of notice. It was interesting, too, because it was trending that way Friday. At least UVA message boards started indicating that something may be amiss. And UVA was still en route um, to Florida State. And I, I think the message was, we don't know if Florida State's healthy enough to play or not. And that information got leaked out before the game on Saturday. That was leaked out Friday, saying the game might be in jeopardy if Florida State's tests don't come back as expected. And mm -hmm. given what Florida State just went through the week prior with Clemson, it was a pretty safe bet that things wouldn't be clean enough to play. And for UVA to travel all that way, it's just, uh, it's got to be disheartening. I mean, yeah. not as disheartening as having COVID or anything like that, but it's, <laughs> it's one of those situations where, you know, I think the ACC... I agree with you. Would like to have a bit of a mulligan on some of these protocols and how they're administered, but without going into the ins and outs of it, it's just kind of an unfortunate situation for everybody. Well, and the other impact that kind of came out of this, Mike, is we found out, uh, I think it was yesterday, yeah, on Sunday, that um, because of some ongoing COVID issues, not only at Florida State, but also at Wake Forest, we're going to have some schedule changes. Uh, one primary change here is that uh, Florida State and Duke will not be played this coming weekend, and instead Duke will be uh, hosting Miami uh, this coming weekend. So we will be getting a game from those two teams. We will not be getting a game from Florida State or Wake Forest this coming weekend, as they've uh, Wake Forest in particular has paused all football activities for a few days, as they've had a little bit of an outbreak going on within their program. So um, schedule change there, and the other change, and I don't I don't even know when this happened, Mike, but apparently North Carolina is playing Western Carolina this coming weekend. Who knew? Surprise. I, 2020. Yeah, sure. Why not? So, uh, you know, eventful weekend for uh, various reasons, we'll say, in the ACC. Um, and, yeah, I mean, that's hopefully something that we're done dealing with. But who's to say? Might might come back here in future weeks. Mike, let's talk about some actual games that we had. Uh, and first and foremost, as mentioned off the top here, uh, game of the weekend, the headliner, it was an exciting game. It was a fun game. Number two, Notre Dame, 31. Number 19, North Carolina, 17. Mike, it was interesting the way that this game went because at the end of the first quarter, it looked like this was going to turn into a bit of a shootout. Um, you know, North Carolina on their first two drives combined 14 plays for 125 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, it was After five combined possessions, it was 14 all. And going into the second quarter, it really looked like it was going to be a shootout. And it's funny because if you told me, and I, I mentioned this before we came on here, is if you told me at that point that the story of this game was going to be Notre Dame's defense, I would have thought that meant that North Carolina scored about 60. Yeah, except uh, 
the story was Notre Dame's defense, and it just kind of flipped the other way, Joey. The That's defense exactly right. actually, yeah, overcame North Carolina's really, really good offense, which we thought could happen, but I think the way that it played out is it's what surprised me anyway. Let's start with this. North Carolina, really good first quarter, mm-hmm. right? Like, Notre Dame goes three and out opening possession. North Carolina gets the ball back, marches right up the field, scores. So now Notre Dame's down 7 nothing and looked kind of dead offensively on the per- first possession. North Carolina's defense flying around. North Carolina's defense, want to give them a lot of credit because the stats didn't look good at the end of the day um, because Notre Dame had the ball a ton in the second half, especially. Really, over the last two and a half quarters, it was all Notre Dame um, from a time of possession standpoint. And the numbers really started piling up against North Carolina. But I thought North Carolina's defense, Jay Bateman, played well in this football game. Um, really forced Notre Dame to earn it. And Notre Dame, as they've now shown in multiple weeks, they have the ability to play whatever game you want to play, Joey. You want to get into a shootout? We can win that. You know, see the overtime game against Clemson. You want to get in a slog and, and drag us down to your level? Look no further than 12-7 to 7 in South Bend against Louisville. You want to play a game where, you know, we think we can match you punch for punch, and kind of, you know, make you beat us and be methodical, you know, look no further than the Pittsburgh game. Look no further than this game against North Carolina. Notre Dame has shown that they can win however they need to. Yep. And that's what's impressed me most about the Irish this year, and that's why I think they're a different team than in years past. They're a playoff team, Joey. Um, They have Wake Forest and Syracuse remaining. Those are two wins. And the way I look at this is that as long as they don't get blown out in the ACC championship, it's going to be really hard to keep them out with what they've done and what they've accomplished so far. This was like the last like major, major test for them. I think Wake Forest could actually play them pretty competitively for a little bit, but Notre Dame is going to be the better team over four quarters and should win that game on the road. Mm -hmm. But assuming Mm -hmm. they pass the test here uh, in the final two games like they should and they get into this ACC championship game, against Clemson, they're going to have a great chance to get into the playoff regardless of the outcome, which is something I don't think either one of us thought coming out of the Louisville game about five or six weeks ago. So that that's kind of the one aspect of it. The other aspect of it is Notre Dame's defense for as poorly as the Irish played defensively in the first quarter and credit North Carolina's offense and what they were able to do. Notre Dame's defense over the final three quarters of this game gave up 136 total yards, only allowed 3.23 yards per play, and had seven sacks. This was an absolutely dominant defensive performance by Notre Dame in the final three quarters. Observer Sports tweeted this out. I I saw it kind of cross the timeline. I thought this was really interesting. Notre Dame has faced two really, really good running backs this year in Travis Etienne at Clemson and Javante Williams in North Carolina. Those two have combined for 29 carries for 56 yards against this Notre Dame defense. The Irish are locked down against the run, yep. and they're getting better against the pass. This is a elite defense, Joey. And when you couple it with how Ian Book's played, because we haven't even talked about Ian Book and how good he was, mm-hmm. when you couple it with how he's come on and how he's kind of commanding this offense and what he brings to the table for Notre Dame uh, this year, which is different than years past. He was kind of like a game manager type. Now he's going out there and flat out making winning plays for Notre Dame consistently drive after drive. This is a really dangerous football team, Joe. He might be the best team in the country. Yeah, no, I think that's on the table. Um, I, I was thinking about it more today, and, and you mentioned, I mean, with the defense, they they are, I would say, I mean, they were they were pretty, you know, really, really good to start the season. They're probably just polishing it up a little bit, you know, Im- improving on a couple of small things. But I think what really the difference is that we've seen from this Notre Dame team from the start of the year is kind of as you were alluding to, that passing game is starting to gel. Um, and it was around that Clemson game. Really, it was probably the Pittsburgh game. Um, so they, they scored 45 on Pittsburgh. They scored 31 on Georgia Tech. And then they scored 47 against Clemson. Like, that's where you were seeing that passing game start to gel. And that that is really the key to what is, you know, making this into such a complete team and, and is a legit playoff team. I agree with you that, I mean, Clemson would have to beat them uh, by at least three scores in the ACC championship game to make anybody question their pedigree, I think. Um, yeah, Notre Dame is, is a is a playoff team, and damn well might win a national title this year. I mean, and if they yeah. don't, it is for no fault of their own. This is a very different Notre Dame team than what we've seen in the postseason here in the last decade or so. 
um, they have a very real shot, I think, to, to bring home a national title this year. And the, and the one thing that's interesting is if Notre Dame wins every game the rest of the way, so they have two more regular season games, an ACC championship game, and then a playoff game and national championship, right? So they would have five games remaining. Ryan Kelly needs five wins to pass Newt Rockney on Notre Dame's all-time wins list to become the leader in that category. Hmm. He could do that in, in this scenario. He could do that if they were to beat Clemson in the ACC championship game. He could win a national title and pass Newt Rockney for most wins all-time in Notre Dame. So that's something that we're going to keep an eye on because that would be an unbelievable storyline for obviously Notre Dame fans, but it you don't see that very often like that kind of statistic kind of come together perfectly um yeah. I, i'm not sure that'll happen by the way because i think Notre Dame's going to lose to clemson potentially in the acc championship game but that's something that i found out over the weekend that i thought was interesting yeah that that acc championship game i think is is sizing up to be way way more interesting a than we thought it would be before the season and b than we've seen in an acc championship game in a number of years um, yep. that should be a really fun game. I mean, that'll easily be one of the higher rated games of the year. I'd imagine on TV. Yep. Mike, my, my last question about this game is coming out of this game. Did this change how you felt about North Carolina at all? Yes, it did because of how the defense played. Um, I mean, so you uh, felt look, better Dame, about North Carolina coming out of this game. I do. I mean, look, I don't feel better about North Carolina from the standpoint of the offense just got absolutely locked down, right? So I, I question North Carolina's ability against, like, and you're not going to see many defenses like Notre Dame's. I, I know North Carolina has a game coming up here against Miami, um, but you don't have many games here where North Carolina is obviously going to be challenged like they just were. Um, but I think projecting the Tar Heels forward and something they're going to have to improve upon in 2021 is that offense as explosive as it is, it's got to find ways to move the football against the elite defenses in college football, because I think for North Carolina to get to where they need to get to, they have to show an ability to move the football on anybody, not just explode against Wake Forest or blow out Duke or Georgia tech or Virginia tech, like you got to score against elite, elite defenses to be playoff good mm -hmm. or to be in a position where you can beat a team like Clemson in an ACC championship game. And North Carolina hasn't shown that yet with this offense. And I, that's, that's the question I have on that side of the football, even though they're obviously, you know, quarterback Sam Howell is outstanding and the running game's great and they got a whole stable of receivers. They're really good. So it's more of an offensive line thing for me, but I feel better about the defense because I thought they played Notre Dame really tough in this game. And I commend North Carolina's defense because it was not easy for Notre Dame early on. And the Irish could never really put UNC away. Yeah. Um, and a large part of that is due to North Carolina's defense. The offense couldn't move the football at all. So I didn't really feel like Notre Dame was going to lose the game in the second half, even though they were leading by only a score. But I mean, it took Notre Dame until late in the fourth quarter to really put North Carolina away. It took a 90-plus yard drive to shoot up a ton of time off the clock. Notre Dame scores with not a whole lot of time left to go up two scores and really put the game away. So I credit the Irish, but North Carolina, I mean, look, their, their fan base has to be feeling pretty good about the defense, I think, coming out of this game. Yeah, that was that was going to kind of be, you know, what I was going to say here was, like, keep in mind, like, I – I fully expect to see the number 19 team in the country lost by two scores. They're going to fall out of the polls. But Mike, like you're kind of alluding to there with, with six minutes to go, this was a one score game. Like they were, you know, borderline taking North Carolina, you know, Notre Dame to the brink here a little bit. I mean, this is a good performance. Even if you look at the, the numbers and we said going in, like Notre Dame will be able to run the ball because North Carolina does not defend the run very well at all. And yeah, the numbers say, well, 36 carries, 199 yards, three scores, all this, you know, you know, five and a half yards per carry. Notre Dame got 80 of those 199 yards on two plays. Yeah. The other 34 carries went for like 120 yards, which is a lot more like pedestrian, really. Like the way that yeah. North Carolina's defense stepped up and kept this game a game, it was really impressive to me. 
And the fact that, again, that they took the number two team in the country that we're saying right now has a legit shot to win a national title, you had them within one score with six minutes to go, that's that's something. You know, that's that's more than nothing yeah. to me in my book. So credit to North Carolina for making this into a game. And, and I agree, they've got to be able to move the ball more consistently against anybody if that offense really is going to carry them. But I do feel like this this defense, you know, this was a – a potentially, you know, a, a big performance for them moving forward to be, you know, to show that they actually can keep North Carolina in a game when the offense is struggling at times. So I, I thought it was a good showing from both teams. I mean, it wasn't a sloppy game by any stretch. It was just very competitive and the better team won. But I don't think North Carolina's got a lot of, a lot of anything to be ashamed about here. Except for the second half drive chart, which I know we have to move on, but yeah, I need we need to touch on this real quick. Probably worth um, probably worth mentioning here, yeah. Yeah, uh, punt, 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 downs. And only one of those went for more than four plays. So, yeah, the offense needs to move the ball better. Yes, decidedly. <laughs> You've got you to get something. Get, get a, a couple first downs or something. I mean, yeah, you, you got to help your defense out some. So Credit the Notre Dame defense. That's right. That's right. Notre Dame 31, North Carolina 17. Good game by both sides. Uh, you know, excited to see where Notre Dame can go because, yeah, sky's the limit here. Let's move on, Mike. Speaking of the sky being the limit, shoe buddy, number three Clemson, 52, Pittsburgh 17. Uh, <laughs> this is one of those where, like, if, if you, you know, left to go make a beer run around the game, the time the game was kicking off, you got home and Clemson was up 31 to nothing. Yeah. Sorry you missed the game. Yeah. Cause... Yeah, kicked the, off at 3.30, was done by 3.45. That's right. Yeah, this, this was a uh, – I mean, Clemson goes three and out on their first drive, and then from there it's touchdown, field goal, touchdown, touchdown, touchdown with about 10 seconds left in the first quarter. So they were up 31 to nothing. This game was over in a hurry, kind of a little bit like we thought it would be. Um, you know, we talk about a, a potential crock potting. This is a little bit more of a flash fry. Um, just dropping the fryer for a couple minutes and it's over. You know, but I, I mean, this is this is what we thought Clemson was going to do. They did it. I I don't take a lot of away from either of these teams, really, truthfully. Kind of what we yeah. I mean, really. Happen. Well, really, this just makes me feel worse about Virginia Tech. That's all that this game valid did for me. Um, my feelings about Pittsburgh were validated. They're just not very good. Kenny Pickett threw four picks as a team. Pittsburgh ran for sixteen yards uh, on twenty-four <laughs> carries. Kobe. It's funny because we actually have a team who performed worse on the ground, Joey, that we'll get into later. Yep. So that's what we call a tease in this business. Uh, <laughs> Trevor Lawrence threw for 403 yards and two touchdowns. Welcome back to him. DJ Uyangalale threw a touchdown pass. Clemson didn't run the ball particularly well. I mean, they, they averaged under four yards per carry. They haven't been running the ball well. Yeah. Can we talk about yeah. that for a second? Why aren't they running the ball well? Uh, I, this might be a bit of an offensive line issue for them. And I, I don't know if you, if it's injuries slash COVID as much as, you know, just a little bit of turnover from last year, some younger guys like, but I'm with you. Like, again, the numbers don't always show it as all that well, you know, they're good for a couple of explosive runs that kind of inflate the numbers a little bit, but this, right. yeah, this team and Travis ETN this year, a lot, at least the last month or so. It has not been as consistently dominant in the way that we've gotten used to seeing with Clemson over the last two, three years. Right. It hasn't been. I mean, credit Pittsburgh. They have a really good rushing defense, and that obviously played into this a little bit in this for game. Sure. It's kind yeah. of a cons consistent thing with Clemson here for a bit where they haven't run the ball great. And your point about ETN is true. Like He had two touchdown runs in this game, but he hasn't really gotten going the way a lot of people expect him to this year, but he's been great in the receiving game out of the backfield. It's less of an ETN issue to me and more of an offensive line issue. It's harder to pass block and Clemson seems to do a much better job of that than they do running the football, which is very odd. I think some of that also has to do with the fact that Trevor Lawrence gets rid of the ball quickly, which mm -hmm. helps a lot. Um, but yeah, I mean, just something to keep in mind as Clemson kind of comes down the home stretch and starts playing better teams. Cornell Powell, he had himself a game, six catches for 176 yards and a touchdown. And it wasn't all bad on the Pittsburgh side. Shout out Jordan Addison. He was back from injury, missed the Virginia Tech game. He had five catches, 41 yards and a touchdown. So 
good to see him kind of get back to what he's been doing all year. But yeah, really dominant performance by Clemson. Pitt was never competitive. It was a poorly coached game by the Panthers. Pat Narduzzi should be ashamed of himself, but this is kind of what he is at this point. <laughs> I mean, I, I can only shame somebody so much for getting blown out by Clemson. I mean, right. If that's the case, then there's a lot of shame to go around for a whole lot of people. <laughs> but yep. at the same time, yeah, I mean, this, again, this wasn't really particularly competitive. You saw that there is still a, a huge gap here. I mean, you saw Clemson go for a little bit of style points. Like Trevor Lawrence was in almost all the way to the end of the third quarter, even in a blowout. Like, so it's it's not it's maybe not as not as as bad as it seems, but it's not good. <laughs> and uh, yeah, there is a, a pretty big gap there between what Pittsburgh is and what Clemson is. Clearly, um, so you know, keep that in mind, I guess. How much longer are we giving our doozy? Uh, I mean, what did we say the contract situation was? He signed through like 2024. Not happening this year, I don't think, with yeah. the buyout and such, and no. it's a COVID year. So probably it's a pass this year. Yeah. What do we think, 21? I had, that's, I mean, either in 21 you come out and you're at least threatening to win the division, you know, winning eight, maybe nine games, something like that. I haven't looked at the schedule, but – I mean, you, you need to be showing some real development next year or, yeah, we need to be having some real conversations about him and that and that job at the end of next year, I think. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I mean, the future is not exactly bright there. Not, that I, way. I mean, doesn't uh, doesn't have a whole lot of signs of being such at this point, I would say. Right. And, and you know what, Mike, if you're a Pittsburgh fan and you're listening to this podcast and you feel differently and you think that you really do believe in Pat Narduzzi, Please send us an email, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. I want to hear from you. Nailed it. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, let us know. Like, I, I'm not hearing a lot of anybody defending him. Again, and this is what, year five, year six of this Narduzzi program? Like, and this is what it is, you know, fully, fully developed, fully weaponized? Like, I don't know. I don't know. It's been a fun experiment. It sure has. It sure has. Uh, Clemson 52, Pittsburgh 17. Mike, do you have any like Pittsburgh fans in your life? Do you know anybody that cheers for Pittsburgh? I don't, Joey, but what should I do if I did? Well, I was going to say, if you're looking to cheer up a Pittsburgh fan, uh, there's a, a really good place I would recommend that you send them. Where would that be, Joey? That would be homefieldapparel.com, uh, mm-hmm. the Internet's leader in vintage college football, comfortable, neat, awesome apparel. Um, a lot of really cool Pittsburgh stuff on there. I actually there is a there's a shirt on there. I think it's like some internet meme or something having to do with Pittsburgh. And I I don't know if you know anything about this, but it just it's like it's under the Pittsburgh logo and it's got the Pittsburgh you know colors and it just says thirteen to nine on it. Is there huh. some significance to that? I don't know. Huh? Who's to say? Feels like it could be anything. Hmm. Lots of really cool Pittsburgh stuff on there, Mike. I, if, if there are Pittsburgh fans in your life and you were Christmas shopping for them, go check that site out. Yeah, definitely go check it out. Um, use promo code GOACC at checkout. By the time you all listen to this, the Black Friday sale's over, but we were tweeting it out from our basketball conference account. Joey tweeted out. I tweeted out individually. So hopefully you took advantage of the Black Friday sale. But if you didn't, that's fine. Use the promo code GOACC at checkout. Receive 20% off your first order this holiday season. Get somebody you love some home field apparel. Absolutely. T-shirts, hoodies, uh, you know, all sorts of stuff on there. Good, good stuff. Um, really, again, comfortable, good looking, vintage stuff. It's stuff that you can't get anywhere else. Um, cannot recommend them enough. As Mike said, go ACC at checkout for 20% off your first order. That's homefieldapparel.com. You know what? Do, do, us, do, do us one better, Joey. Do us one better. If you are in the market for a Bowling Green football shirt, which I don't know why you would be, but go to Home Field Apparel, get yourself a Bowling Green football shirt, tweet it at us, yes, let us know yeah. that you use the promo code, and then we'll have you on this podcast. 100%. We will have you on the podcast. So all, all you super fans begging to be on, here, this is the way to do it. Yep. Get yourself a Bowling Green shirt. I would say, no, I would say no purchase necessary, I think is what you got to say on these things, but it kind of sounds like them's the rules. I don't, I, I don't know. I don't make the rules. The, the purchase is necessary. I make the rules. <laughs> Yeah, go get a Bowling Green shirt. We'll have you on the podcast. That's a promise. Yep. Send us a sh- and send us a picture, and we'll put it on our social media. We'll do that. We'll do that too. Yep. Mike, uh, we got three more games to recap. Boston College thirty-four, Louisville twenty-seven. This was a, I think, surprisingly more competitive game than I thought it might be. 
Um, the team that we thought was going to win won. They were the home team. And Louisville kind of continues to struggle to some degree, although this wasn't like a, a, you know, a display of Louisville ineptitude as much as, you know, we could talk about a couple things in terms of, you know, taking advantage of opportunities or what, but just a, another, you know, pretty solidly played game. Um, Boston College loses Phil Dracovic late in the game to an injury. Dennis Grissel comes in and plays pretty admirably. I mean, again, I think a pretty good game from both sides here. Not not like a, a total mess on either end, and Boston College comes out the winner. Yeah, I mean, Dennis Grossell wasn't in the game long, but when he was in, he had a 44-yard run and two touchdown passes. <laughs> so I'll take that. That's the best showing we've seen out of Dennis Grossell in a Boston College uniform. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that, that was good. Like you mentioned, Phil Dracovic got hurt here. Um, Boston College actually ran the ball pretty well in this game average over five yards per carry which we haven't seen really all year so i I think boston college is figuring something out in the run game in the last month or so they've run it a lot better and i mean that's good because filter kovic was just slinging it around and playing behind an up and down offensive line all year which is really weird because i think coming into the year a lot of us expected this offensive line to be a lot better than it's been but they are clearly starting to figure some things out the running game has been better because of it uh Malik Cunningham throws two touchdowns in this game, goes for almost 300 yards. He throws a pick. He runs for 133 yards. So he was basically the entire offense keeping him in this game. But, Joey, you have a theory about Malik Cunningham that I think holds some water. Yeah, for sure. And this was the thing that I I noticed as I was watching this. And, again, the stat sheet looks great for Cunningham. Again, as you mentioned, almost 300 yards through the air. Did throw a pick, but he also had 17 carries for 133 yards. Like, dynamic runner, all this. But, man – the more I watch this game, the more it started to occur to me, Malik Cunningham is trying to do too much. I mean, there are plays that he he should be throwing the ball away. He keeps holding on to it and taking sacks. Um, there's plays where it's a it's a read option. He should be giving it to his running back, and he's keeping it and getting tackled for a loss. Like These are the things that are like killing drives for Louisville that I think is ultimately kind of causing them some issues. It's not some issue with ability. I mean, the, his passing accuracy has still been a bit of an issue this year at times, um, and, and sometimes more than others. But at least watching this game, I was like, dude, like you're you're doing too much here. Like, give the ball to someone else, or you know, throw it away. Let, you know, try to live another play. He he's trying to force things and trying to do too much, and it's it's costing Louisville uh, in a big way. I think at times. Yeah, I agree. I mean. This has been an issue even before Javion Hawkins opted out. I mm-hmm. mean, we saw some of this with Cunningham. I think it holds water. Um, I, I'm i interested to see what some of the listeners think, but I, I do think it holds water. And Louisville defensively has just been so up and down all year, too. That certainly hasn't helped. And Cunningham, I guess, feels like he needs to do a lot of this himself. But yeah. it's been a really weird year, and... It was good to see Louisville respond moderately well after kind of a weird week, too. I mean, we mentioned on the last podcast that Scott Satterfield may or may not have been linked to the South Carolina opening and may or may not have been interested in taking an interview. And then he comes out and says, no, I'm not doing that. And then Louisville comes out and loses to Boston College. But they didn't come out and get rolled. And I thought BC was the better team anyway. So it wasn't a situation where, you know, all that was a huge distraction. That's why Louisville lost. I mean, they played pretty well well I thought overall in this football game it was good to see him kind of come out and and bounce back uh, and and look at least competent for a good portion of the game but yeah I mean I think the better team won I'm happy about this because I did bet on Boston College here Joey so good teams win great teams cover hell yeah again that proved itself out so yeah I was pumped about that and my pick the week hit my pick the week was BC so go Eagles there it is yep Yep. absolutely So, so yeah, that's about all I got. I mean, good game from Zay Flowers. Good, great game by Des Fitzpatrick in a losing effort. Um, eight for one eighty-two and a touchdown. That was awesome. Two-two Atwell had touchdown, seventy-eight yards receiving. So yeah, I mean, offense looked functional. I just kind of wonder where the rushing yards are going to come from without Javion Hawkins and without Malik Cunningham just kind of going off. I, I just don't know if they have a consistent running game here. I feel like every time I, I look at and I think about this Louisville team this year, it's like I'm almost like looking at them kind of sideways. And I think I've found where the gap is that's kind of confusing me here, Mike, is that everything is telling me that they are a good offense, and yet they're not scoring like that many points. 
and I think the easiest way to illustrate this right now is that coming, you know, coming out of this game in conference games, Louisville is third in the conference in yards per play on offense. They are 10th in the conference in points per game. So they are moving the ball well, but they Yikes. keep imploding or, you know, failing when you get to the red zone or having to move the ball 60 yards and then, you know, punt it because you got backed up to start. Like it's, it's a weird, weird situation, a bit of a head, head scratcher kind of thing here for Louisville. But um, I, I tend to think it's a good sign that, you know, on a yards per play basis, they are moving the ball and they are, they are racking up yards. At some point, the points will follow, I tend to think. But, you know, you never know. And, and not to mention, Louisville's kind of running out of opportunities here. So They have one game left. Yeah, so, so there's that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we covered everything else here. There were a couple of a couple of fumbles here for Louisville. Uh, Louisville turns it over three times. One of them was a, a, a not-so-great interception by Malik Cunningham. And then the other two were fumbles by Tutu Atwell and Hassan Hall that, eh, they, you know, a little bit iffy, at least on the, the Atwell fumble, I believe, on, you know, was it a, a catch and a fumble or was it an incomplete pass, you know. But that's that's the level of margin that Louisville's got here in terms of uh, you know, trying to win a couple of these games. It's it's a little thing here, a little thing there. It's costing them. So, um, but you know, good win for Boston College again. I mean, figuring some things out, and we we'll talk about them in the postseason. But Mike, I mean, they've been one of the surprises of the year for me, and how good they've been in year one, and how how good and effective Phil Dracovic's been. I mean, a lot of good things I have to say about Boston College this year. Yeah, I mean, they have a winnable game here coming up this Saturday against UVA, which we'll talk about later this week. But, I mean, look, even if they do finish the year 6-5, and five, like if they were to lose that UVA game and it's 6-5 and five, and then you go to a bowl game maybe, which bowl season is kind of totally up in the air. I, I keep seeing games getting canceled, which isn't great. So hopefully mm. everybody's healthy enough to play in a bowl game. But if BC were to win like seven or eight games in year one under Halfley and Phil Dracovic takes a – step forward next year i mean you know we talked about louisville we talked about florida state all these teams that could kind of take that second place spot in the atlantic division in a normal year well the division i assume divisions are going to be back next year in the acc with the atlantic and the coastal and as such i I expect bc to be one of those teams actually contend for that number two spot in the conference which look a few months ago when we were previewing the eagles and if we said that we would have been raked over the coals, but I think that's definitely in play. Hashtag why not BC? I guess. I don't know. We'll see. Boston as long College. as Dracovic's a quarterback. Yeah, yeah. sure, sure. Yeah. Boston College 34, Louisville 27. Mike, the game I was at, Georgia Tech 56, Duke 33. I, I, I think I've said this once or twice before on this podcast. I, I am I, I'm personally I'm not a smoker. I, I'll have a cigar from time to time. But boy, Mike, I got to the end of this game. I needed a cigarette. Goodness gracious, this was a, a mess and a half from the beginning. Uh, Joey, I'm going to let the listeners in on a little secret here. Mm-hmm. Um, you are invited to my bachelor party and my wedding. That's right. I'm and excited. Very as excited part of that, yes, and I'm very excited to formally meet you for the first <laughs> time in five years. Um, there will be cigars had mm-hmm. on multiple occasions there um so just you've been warned okay so georgia tech scores 56 points in this football game this was a wild wild game um had a little bit everything you like turnovers well duke had five of them you like explosive plays both teams had a bunch of them you like the lights going out randomly in the middle of the game during a light show causing a delay we got you this game was the epitome of go ACC. This it was sure it. You got was. two yeah. bad teams battling it out. Great. My gosh. Speaking, I mean, special team shenanigans, by the way. Holy oh. cow. Um, yeah, so let's. Where, where do we start here? And I was trying to think through earlier today could I effectively go through in my head all of the nonsense that happened in this game? So, first thing that I believe happened was. Um, Duke punts on their, uh, what their third, you know, second or third possession. Georgia tech could have fielded the ball at the 40 chose not to next possession. They punt Georgia tech chooses to field the ball on their own three yard line. Why not muffs the punt into the end zone and Duke falls on it for a touchdown. touchdown. Duke. 
There was that. At some point, Duke kicks off and kicks it kind of towards the pylon, and Tex Returner runs over and tries to do the cute, you know, the clever thing where you st- you step out of bounds and catch the ball, and it, it's the uh, kick out of bounds penalty, and you get it at the thirty-five. Except there's a there's a specific order of operations there where you step out of bounds and then you catch the ball, because Mike, when you catch the ball and then you step out of bounds, you're just out of bounds at the two yard line. Um, so that happened to Georgia Tech, which led to a safety. On the ensuing kickoff punt, you know that comes from a safety, uh, Duke lets it roll down to the one. After it rolls, they try to fair catch it, pick up the ball. Uh, returner runs into his own end zone, gets tackled. Somehow this ends up with Duke getting the ball on the one-yard line. Uh, from there, Georgia Tech sacks Daniel Jones in the end zone for what would have been a safety, except Jordan Dominic not only with a sack but also a strip, and then he falls on it in the end zone for a touchdown, a defensive touchdown for Georgia Tech. Duke had two other kickoffs in this game that went out of bounds. Uh, this thing was... <laughs> As you mentioned at one point, the lights went out. There was like a, you know, the light show that they put in the LEDs and they can change colors and do the flashing thing and whatever. They did that after a score and then the lights never really came back up to full volume for about 15 minutes, uh, at which point they were able to resume playing and they never did any light show stuff for the rest of the game. This thing was all over the place. Um, I, I tweeted out at one point, Duke's fourth turnover on the game put them at 29 on the year. And it was barely after I hit send on that tweet that they turned it over for a fifth time for the 30th yep. turnover on the year. Um, goodness gracious. Uh, lots, lots that went on here. Uh, Jameer Gibbs goes out in the late in the first half with what looked like a, maybe a little bit of a tweaked hamstring or something. He didn't come back. Thought is that he should be okay. Jordan Mason also went out with an injury kind of late in the game. Um, I, I haven't heard anything indicating that he won't be okay. Jeff Sim, Jeff Sims played, I thought, a pretty good game. He had a couple of bad moments, but he also had a couple of pretty outstanding moments. Uh, athletic plays that he made. 13-23, throwing the ball for three scores. Um, 108 yards on the ground for him as well. Georgia Tech overall racks up 377 rushing yards in this game. Um Duke really struggled. Like, honestly, if you look at the scoreboard here, it says Georgia Tech won by 23 points. It probably wasn't even that close, Mike. Like, this was a – especially after halftime, I mean, Georgia Tech goes you know, scores 28, gives up seven in the second half. Like, good showing from the Yellow Jackets here. Duke having a lot of issues this year. And I don't really know where they go from here. I think it's time for uh... – uh, David Cutcliffe to consider riding off into the sunset and getting on his fishing boat and spending yeah. some time with the grandkids or something. Yeah. Chase Bryce was rough in this game too, by the way. He's terrible. The, there were plays there to be had. There were a number of deep balls where it was, it was one-on-one coverage and a good throw might be a touchdown for Duke. And I, I would bet there were close to a half dozen of those that Chase Bryce was just overthrowing guys. I mean, it's, you know, God love him. He's trying and he's doing the best he can, but it's just, it's not quite good enough at this level. I don't think Chase Bryce with his arm reminds me a lot of me on the golf course with my driver. <laughs> okay. Chase Bryce ahead. has go a big ahead. arm. Wait for this analogy, Joey. I think you know where I'm going with this. <laughs> Chase Bryce has a big arm. He can make all the throws. Looks great at times. Has no idea where it's going. My driver <laughs> And hit far, looks great at times. Have no idea where it's going. Yeah. Chase Bryce is literally my driver. You don't want to be my driver. <laughs> Although there's those one or two points per game where it goes exactly where you're hoping it's going to go, and that's the reason you come back and play next time. Yeah. And, <laughs> look, Chase Bryce is, is like a really good drug, you know? And Cutcliffe keeps going back to the well, baby. <laughs> Uh, not only did Duke have five turnovers, Georgia Tech had three. So we had eight combined turnovers, 19 penalties for 175 yards combined, by the way. Yeah, I mean, this was this was a crazy go ACC after dark kind of game. But boy, I got to tell you, it was fun to be at. It was fun to be there. And Mike, um, I, I completely forgot to go get the uh, the old slot machine sound effect for the soundboard. Ah. But I have I have really, really good news for you here. 
What's that, Joey? This gave uh, Georgia Tech three wins. And you know what that means. That's more than two and a half, and Charlie's going to college, baby. Charlie's going to college. Charlie's going to college. Georgia Tech over two and a half wins for the year. Cash it. Lock it up. Tease it. Reverse it. I don't think you can do that anymore. But big win. Big winner. Cash that ticket, baby. Georgia Tech, three wins on the year. We always knew it. We always knew it. There was never a doubt, Mike. Never a doubt. Good teams win. Great teams win and cover. That's right. That's right. And now now Joey gets to send his kid to Georgia Tech. <laughs> uh, God bless him. Uh, he, he deserves better. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. Georgia Tech 56, Duke 33. Unless you had anything else here, Mike. Uh, nope. Because speaking of very go ACC games, NC State 36, Syracuse 29. Uh, speaking of go ACC things going on, um, I, I don't want to go too far into detail because we still have uh, awards coming up here in a little bit. But, man, there were a couple of moments here. Um, gosh. this So, uh, I, I think here's the biggest takeaway that I had from this game, Mike. NC State went into this game and played their worst game of the year. This was the worst that we have seen the Wolfpack play. And I don't mean that as like a knock. It's just objectively like this was a a poorly played game by the Wolfpack. And the good news is they won. Like if you win your worst game of the year, you're doing all right. But more than that, Mike, this is like the at least the third team off the top of my head that I can think of that has gone into the Carrier Dome this year and played their worst game of the year. We saw it from Boston College a couple weeks ago. We saw it from Georgia Tech back like in late September. I don't know what what spirits or juju or whatever is going on in that Carrier Dome, but for some reason that is where teams show up and all of a sudden just like forget how to play football. I don't know what it is. It's it's bizarre. Yeah, I mean, NC State made Taj Harris look like Jerry Rice. He had 13 catches for 146 yards and a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Syracuse hasn't really been able to throw the football all year, so if NC State is allowing that defensively, that tells you about all you need to know as to why this game was as close as it was. Um, well, at least Syracuse, you know, when they didn't happen to complete a pass to Taj Harris, at least they had the running game to fall back on. 25 carries for three yards. Uh. Wait, three carries for 25 yards? That's not bad. Nope. Nope. I had it right the first time. 25 carries for three yards. Ooh. Oh, that's not good. Bad. Kobe. <laughs> yes. Real bad. Um, well, I, NC State weirdly was losing this game. I bet on NC State minus 15 and a half. This is one of my few losses of the weekend. Betting-wise, had another really good weekend at the window. Uh, but in no part due to NC State covering a spread like they should have. This was a very weird game because I, I look at it from the standpoint of, look, if Bailey, if you told me before the game Bailey Hockman was going to throw for 313 yards and four touchdowns, I would have felt great about my bet hitting. Yeah. Um, but it didn't, and NC State had to score nine points in the fourth quarter to not only win the game but to just take the lead and win. They were down in the fourth quarter of this football game, Joey, which was very weird. Yeah, and I'm I'm trying to think through all of the miscues for NC State. I'm sure I'm going to miss something here. Um, but in this game, Syracuse runs a kickoff back for a touchdown. Um, Bailey Hockman fumbles the ball going into the end zone. Ball rolls out. It's a touchback for Syracuse. So that cost you seven points right there. Um, Bailey Hockman at one point trying to avoid a sack throws the ball out of the back of the end zone for a safety. Um I mean, there were there were a number of miscues here that if you're looking at this and saying, wow, Syracuse scored 29 points, like it's a little bit of an offensive explosion for them after they got shut out by Louisville last week. No, it's not that simple. The offense scored like maybe 17 of those points. Like this was a special teams, you know, fiasco that Syracuse was able to kind of will themselves to almost win this game. Um, They took advantage of some pretty brutal NC State mistakes. And like I said, I mean, they almost got it done, but um yeah, it's it's funny too because I was telling you before we came on here, Mike. If you again, if you look at the if you just look at the box score and you look at the numbers, and even if you listen to kind of what everyone was saying on the TV broadcast and such, it was like Bailey Hockman was playing a really great game. He was he was bouncing back, you know, kind of from what we had seen in the last week or two from him. And yet, I for some reason, and I don't know if it was you know a couple of these miscues and maybe taking a bunch of sacks that I 
I was almost like, I feel like he's not playing a very good game, you know? And then I, I was surprised to look at the box score and see how good the numbers looked. <laughs> so yeah, kind of a, a bizarre game and an epitome of, I guess, winning your clunkers here as a uh, Dan Rubenstein would say. Yeah, that's correct. And you know, Syracuse had a banner moment at the end, which we'll get into here shortly, that mm -hmm. we got to save for a special award. Mm -hmm. uh, but Syracuse was driving down the field here with an opportunity to tie this football game. So yeah, that's worth noting. It wasn't like NC State like just completely just turned on the Jets and throttled away. It was nothing like that. Syracuse had an opportunity to win this game here late. Um, so it'll be really interesting when Dino Babers leaves Syracuse for that open Duke job at the end of the year, huh? Hmm. I mean... If you're Dino Babers, would you leave your Syracuse program going into year five for Duke? Probably. You think? Who's who's better set up for long-term success? Duke coming off of a David Cutcliffe regime or Syracuse being in upstate New York and being bad? I mean, frankly, you're, you're probably right. It's probably Duke. Um and, and I don't say that so much because, well, David Cutcliffe has this thing set up for success for the next five years. But what you have seen in the last several years is David Cutcliffe brought Duke to a division championship and a couple of you know ranked weeks and peaks that they hadn't really seen in decades. And yeah. if, if he could do that in the last few years, then the infrastructure is probably there that Dino Babers can take advantage of that he can't take advantage of at Syracuse. Agree. The infrastructure is there at Duke, and we've seen it. We have not necessarily seen it at Syracuse outside of what appears to be an aberration with Eric Dungy. Yeah. And uh, Dino Babers isn't going to Duke, but it was a fun conversation there for 30 seconds. That is a, that is a fun thought experiment. Um, yeah, weird game. Syracuse, absolute inability to run the ball, but offense kind of did just enough, and the, and the special teams and defense kind of did just enough to uh, to make this competitive and give them a chance to win. So, so credit to them. Um, we will be revisiting this here in just a moment, as you can probably imagine. Um, but yeah, I mean, good good on NC State to win this game. You know, despite not having their best effort, um, you know, Ricky Person and Zonovan Knight struggled collectively to run the ball. For most of the afternoon, had a couple of big plays here or there, but I mean, 28 carries for 118 yards is a little bit pedestrian for what we've gotten used to there. But you know, good win. I don't know if get it done. Well, I I don't know if Brian Kelly gets to accept the ACC Coach of the Year award. I, I would assume that he does. He's probably the leader in the clubhouse for that. Mm -hmm. But my uh, me just pounding the table for Dave Doran. That's just going to continue here because they're probably going to beat Georgia tech that I, I'm not saying that's a total shoe in win for NC state, but they'll be favored and they could be Georgia tech. That would be eight wins, Joey. Yep. And depending on who they draw in a bowl game, they could get to nine and yep. nine, and, nine and three would be even eight and four. I mean, God, out of this world compared to what we thought NC State was going to be coming into the year. I mean, good Lord. We, we talk about BC taking a step forward. How about NC State? We thought Doran was dead in the water there, and he, he's just going to step up and win maybe eight, nine games this year? Yeah. It's crazy. Speaking of, like, big surprise in the conference in a positive way, I mean, this is the other team. It's either Boston College or it's it's NC State. I mean, both of them have way outperformed our expectations. Um, so, yeah, credit to Doran and that staff, and especially with a couple of the changes that he made on that staff – even then I was skeptical. I really wasn't sure, but Tim Beck and that offense has been a lot more effective than I thought they'd be. Yep. So credit to them. NC state 36 Syracuse 29. Uh, Mike, that, that is not all the games that we have because Mike Ohio 52 our bowling green Falcons 10 points. Uh, rough day for the Brian Van Gorder defense. 48 carries for our 355 yards by the Bobcat offense. Uh, that went for four touchdowns. Uh, Bowling Green, I mean, they ran for 181 yards, I guess. That's good. Matt McDonald throws three picks. Go ACC to that. Uh, they have a quarterback on their team named LeBron's Davis. I can guarantee you he doesn't play like LeBron. That's that's that whole uh, internet meme of, Mom, can we have LeBron? No, we have LeBron at home. Yes. <laughs> LeBron's Davis is LeBron at home. And, uh, yeah, 0 for 1, no yards. Uh, 
You Man, didn't throw an right, interception so, is a good thing, I guess. I was going to say, I mean, pros and cons for Bowling Green. I mean, cons, they had to go play a game with Scott Leffler and Brian Van Gorder as two of their primary coaches. Uh, pros, the uh, game ended, which was good. <laughs> Merciful. Yes. Uh, they allowed 42 points. Uh, or, I'm sorry, they allowed 52 points, lost by 42 points in a game that was never competitive. And... Yeah, I think that's all I got. I think maybe the best, uh, the best little slice of what happened here was with a little under thirty seconds left in the half. Bowling Green has fourth and ten on their own forty-seven, so about at midfield. Passes intercepted, run back fifty-two yards to the thirteen-yard line, and with two seconds left, Ohio was able to kick a field goal. Bro, you had the ball at midfield. <laughs> And the other team in the final ten seconds was able to kick a field goal. Like that is that is some special stuff right there, Mike. Go ACC to that. They are so bad. Hey, hey, hey. go Falcons! <laughs> I just wanted to play the sound effect again. Fair enough. Ohio fifty-two, Bowling Green ten. Uh, go ACC moment of the week, Mike. As mentioned, we won't uh, we won't stray too far from what we were just talking about. Uh, as you alluded to, Syracuse had the ball in the fourth quarter as time was, was running running out, and they were moving it, trying to go down and tie the game and send this thing to overtime. Uh, they get it to the point that they've got third and goal from about the, the, you know, the seven-yard line or so with about 25 seconds left, no timeouts. And at that point, Mike, there's, there's really kind of one thing that you can't do. Do you know what that is? What would that be? You can't take a sack. You can't do that. You've got no timeouts, especially if you get sacked in the middle of the field. You can't be giving up yards, doing all that. So if nothing else, you got to throw it away, right? But then what happened, Joey? Well, Mike, then what happened was Rex Culpepper runs around for like eight, nine seconds on the play, finally does take a sack, loses about 15 yards. And what comes next, I, I, I literally, I couldn't make this up, Mike. You can't make this up. Here we go. Orange will have to hurry quickly. Can't spike it. It you is fourth go. down. They get it snapped, and he spikes it. And the ball game will end. West Durham and our friend Roddy Jones there on the call for the ACC Network. Uh, Roddy is correct. You can't spike it. And then he spiked it. But but you can spike it. And you know what? He did spike it, Joey. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those. Uh, be very careful using the word can't in place of shouldn't. You can't, you, you shouldn't spike it, but you can. And uh, yeah, Rex Culpepper did, and that ultimately ended the game. So go AC to that, Rex Culpepper in the Syracuse offense. Yeah, another reason why he will never be confused with Dante Culpepper, Joey. Yeah, big yikes. Or Donovan McNabb, even for that matter, coming from Syracuse. That's, that's right. Uh, noted Syracuse alum, Donovan McNabb. Yeah. Not noted Syracuse alum, Dante Culpepper, like I said <laughs> earlier this year. I believe he's when a I was UCF con- alum, if I'm not mistaken. He is. There you go. A little, little trivia for you here at the end of the show. Go uh, Knights. So go ACC to uh, Rex Culpepper spiking the ball on fourth down to end the game after taking a sack that you just really can't take. Good go ACC moment there. Of course, Bailey Hockman throwing the ball out of the end zone for a safety was another one. Georgia Tech dropping a punt into their own end zone and giving up a touchdown was another one. Georgia Tech trying to field a kickoff out of bounds and giving themselves the ball in the own two-yard line was another one. Duke trying to field a – anyways. Let's move on, Mike, to the Brian Van Gorder Memorial You Tried Award. And as mentioned earlier, Georgia Tech goes through a whole operation in the offseason to install these really cool lights in the stadium. Uh, they you know, they flicker. They change colors. They do all sorts of stuff. They, this is the second or third night game they've, they've played now this year. And after they score, yeah, they play this little light show thing, and it's really neat, and it's going to be extra cool when we can have a whole bunch of fans in the stands again. But this week, Mike, what happens when the lights flicker and don't flicker back on? You wait around for 15 minutes before you can uh, resume the game, and you know you got to do the whole thing where you turn it off and turn it back on. That, that took a while. Hit the reset button. Yeah. Uh, so, Georgia Tech, you tried. You tried to have a, a cool light show, cool light little thing, and you ended up, uh, you know, pissing down the leg a little bit. It happens. It happens to the best. It, it does happen. I mean, 
at least the home the home team won, right? I mean, that's right, that's right. Um, Mike, speaking of all this stuff, I forgot. I'm gonna start our music here now that we're almost done with the segment. So here we go. Uh, Yakety sax. Uh, the Kobe Bryant Memorial You Tried Award of the Week goes to uh, Syracuse running back Mr. Sean Tucker. 16 carries for 18 yards. Sean Tucker must die. Yeah, that was a uh, man. That's a brutal afternoon for you, boy. There, not good. I mean, Syracuse as a team had three total yards rushing. Yeah, that's so. worse. That's worse. Um, yeah, yeah. A couple of these, uh, you know, attempt high attempt, low output kind of uh, scores this weekend. So. There was that. There was Pittsburgh's rushing attack against Clemson. That was that was a rough one. So you had a couple options here this weekend. You, usually we do, uh, but these were especially bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Tough weekend from an offensive output standpoint for a few folks. So, Mike, who's your team of the week? Notre Dame. Obvious choice there, yeah. Real Notre good Dame. weekend for them. Uh, real good for them. Player of the week? Who you got there? I'm going to go with Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. He had a big game. I'm going to go with Trevor Lawrence. I I threw you a little bit of a curveball there. Um, but the guy he was throwing passes to, Cornell Powell, had a huge game as well uh, there for Clemson. He had six catches for 176 yards and a touchdown. So that duo was outstanding. Yeah. I would say, I mean, there were a few guys I thought this weekend that had, like, pretty big performances in what you would call a losing effort. Um you know, so obviously not in a losing effort, but Jeff Sims had a pretty big game for Georgia Tech. Uh, Jameer Gibbs was also really good for them once again. Um, again, Des Fitzpatrick for Louisville had eight catches for 160-some yards. Um, Taj Harris for Syracuse, like six catches for 146 yards. So a few pretty big games around the conference, but, um, you know, not always in winning efforts. So, yeah, I think Trevor Lawrence is a good pick there. It's a little bit chalky, you know, guy that people thought – a month or two ago was going to win the Heisman, but, but Hey, when you're good, you're good. Give him credit. That's right. All right. Uh, Mike, I think that's all I got. Anything else before we uh, work on getting out of here? I have, as we record here Monday night, I, the clock's ticking Joey and there's now six days, almost five days now, now that, the day's almost over five days until Virginia tech gets to play against Clemson at home <laughs> at seven 30 on ABC in front of God and everybody, everybody includes Kirk Herbstreit, Chris Fowler and Maria Taylor on national TV. Most of so them have kids on the team, if I'm not mistaken, I don't know. I'm making that up. I mean, they're going to play. So <laughs> you better get ready to, uh, he better get their numbers straight and, Make sure he can pronounce their last name right, because those kids are going to play, Joey. Clemson, a 22-point favorite here on Monday. so That's low. And I don't feel like it's getting any lower. So if you want to get in on that, you might want to get in on it now. I will be getting in on that. Probably fair. Um, yeah, it should be an interesting week 13 in the conference. Um, we are coming down to the nitty-gritty here. I am cautiously optimistic that with some of the schedule changes that we will get all six or five conference games plus the out of conference game in, but that hadn't really been the recent trend. So we will, uh, we'll see if anything improves there. Yeah, we'll see. Um, Notre Dame is hosting Syracuse as a 34 point favorite on NBC on senior day. So what could go wrong there? Mm-hmm. Um, again, NC state, Georgia tech, like we mentioned Miami Duke, which I mean, has never okay. gotten sideways, especially in Durham. I mean, look, let's just kick the ball off and see if somebody's knees down and yeah. You know, the Saint your daddy's Duke points. team though, Mike, or even your older brother's yeah. Duke team. Yeah, that's these are not your daddy's David Cutcliffe Blue Devils. <laughs> I don't know. It's getting a little weird now, Mike. I don't know. Yeah, it is. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll come back and preview those games. How's that sound? Uh, it sounds good. I, 
I liked a lot of the. I'm just kind of looking at these lines. I liked these lines a lot better last week than I do this week. Just mm-hmm. kind of taking a quick inventory of what some of these have opened at. So I don't know. Boston could get weird betting again. Why is Boston College a six point underdog at Virginia? What am I missing? Is it is that a Dracovic not coming back kind of projection? Six seems like a lot, doesn't it? Kind of does seem like a lot for as good as Boston College has been. I don't know. Anyways, we'll come back and talk about all those games. Uh, in the meantime, y'all can find us on Twitter. I am at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel VT, and together we're at BC Podcast ACC, and we're also at BC Podcast ACC on Instagram. So go find us there. Uh, Mike, they can find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Breaker, the Overcast app, wherever fine podcasts are sold for free, and especially on Anchor. Um, they can send us an email with their questions, comments, concerns to the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Thank you. And certainly if you heard something here uh, tonight that you disagree with, we want to hear from you. So send us an email. Let us know. Mike, you want to tell them where they can find us on the social medias? Facebook, facebook.com slash basketballconference rate review. Find all of your podcasts here, Jerry. Please do. Please do. Appreciate those who have. Mike, that's all I got. Anything else before we get out of here? Shout out home field. Go ACC at checkout. 20% off your order. That's right. Shop there. Get your Christmas shopping in early. Go go to home field. Do that. Mike, uh, let's come back and preview some games. How's that sound? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Well, we will be later. Uh, we will be back later this week to do that. And in the meantime, you guys have a great week. Thanks so much for listening. We will talk to you again soon. And until next time, go ACC. Unstoppable blue.